So we have two passages today. Uh, the first is from 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love." For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. And then I'm going to flip over to Galatians 6, verses 1 to 6. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens in this way. Um, You will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work. Then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all his good things with the teacher. Thanks, Catherine. Well, good morning again. Um, great to be with you this morning as we start this little mini-series, which is kind of a bucket of uh, di- different little aspects of the life of our church. Um, three things chosen uh, for various reasons um, uh, as part of kind of a year-on-year approach to help us delve into uh, what it means to be uh, the body of Christ in all its joy and all its challenges. Uh, and so today I've called our talk Church as a People Practicing Perseverance Together. Uh, in a few weeks' time, I'm, uh, I'm going on holidays. Now that I've announced a new coming person, I'm just going to get out of here. Um, and uh, my wife and I have decided that we are going to go to, to Adelaide. Uh, no, we're not flying. Uh, we're putting all of our boys into a car together for like two days straight driving. You can tell how I'm feeling about this prospect. Uh, siblings have a way of annoying each other, don't they? Uh, and that flows through the whole family. And so there I am driving, I've got my tunes on, I'm feeling good, and the, and the ambient anxiety starts lifting in the back seat, right, as they start kind of nagging each other. And I'm still trying to stay calm, but it just, I can't help it, the whole family system is dragged into the drama of what's happening in the back seat. Whew, there's always something happening. Uh, as our family see each other, uh, we are fully and frequently exposed to one another. 
in all the joys and the challenges of that. There's no putting on a face, no pretending, we see it all and we're kind of stuck with each other. But I'm also really looking forward to spending time with them. I am, I promise. Uh, And uh, we'll see how this adventure grows us and grows me. Uh, Churches are not too dissimilar, are they? Uh, Churches are not simply a place where you come to hear a lecture. Uh, They're not just a community event. We are brothers and sisters. Uh, We are adopted into God's family through the gift of Christ's forgiveness given to us. And so the family drama analogy is just as appropriate, I think. Because, and maybe even more so, uh, Christ has gathered to Himself a people who are saved sinners. We come from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of cultures. Some of us have really broken histories. And Jesus brings us all together, dumps us together and says, there you are, there's your brothers and sisters. And we expect it to be kind of like, we're a church, we got it all together, we're perfect. (laughs) Rather, He gives us to each other as gifts to one another, that we might know Christ's love more and more. Now, Definitely churches are wonderful communities of grace and love, but I also want us to be honest. After all, we of all people are most aware of the human condition, that is our sinfulness. But we are also most equipped of all people to forbear and to forgive and seek growth together through the dramas of life. And so this talk here is the product of many years of pastoring actually, as we think honestly about what it means to be the church as a people practicing perseverance together. Uh, And within this idea of persevering together, I want us to look about the dynamics of how we relate to one another through this journey. We're going to somewhere much better than Adelaide, we are going to heaven, Uh, but there is a journey still between now and there. And uh, look, sometimes we feel like in the dynamic of this journey, that things are in balance. You know, today might be a good day. Everyone sort of is on their best behavior, perhaps, and we all get on really well. Maybe that's how right today we'll roll. Uh, Sometimes, you'd rather be alone. (laughs) Sometimes, you feel overwhelmed or even controlled by those around us. In fact, actually, those two things, before we get into the Bible, uh, those two things, kind of wanting to be alone or kind of fiercely independent or feeling overwhelmed and controlled by others are actually the two forces that Murray Bowen sees uh, in, in family dynamics. Now, Murray Bowen was a psychiatrist who was intrigued by how individual behavior was intertwined within family dynamics. Uh, he's kind of the father of what's known as family system theory. Some of you might have heard that before, some of you not. If you've heard of triangulating in relationships, that's Murray Bowen. Uh, and just like my example of a, of a car trip where one child is feeling anxious, and the whole family is dragged, dragged into that anxiety, uh, that's a, an example of family systems theory. Uh, and what Murray Bowen's particularly helpful in is seeing that the way out of that is actually often through the maturity of another person in the family. And so I really do believe we are a gift to one another uh, as we journey together in Christ. Because I'm, not, I'm going to draw on some of the family system theory, but we have something better than that. It's just kind of a a way to help us observe things. We have something better than Murray Bowen, we have the Gospel. And so it is a privilege to open God's Word this morning as we look at this. Now, one more caveat, perhaps. Let me just say that if you think this sermon is about you, you're so human. (laughs) Um, 
this is a sermon I've been writing for a number of years, actually, in my mind. And uh, so this is actually, this is coming from a safe place. That is, I don't feel like I'm in conflict right now, and I don't have an agenda for any particular person in mind here. Rather, as a pastor, I'm looking forward to unpacking this together. And so let us begin this substantial topic uh, by simply reflecting on what it means to be secured in God's love and provision. So I'm going to start with 2 Peter, uh, and in chapter 1, uh, Peter begins with uh, this, to those who have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. This is the foundation of what it means to be a Christian, faith in Jesus Christ. And when we trust Him, we receive everything that is Christ, His righteousness. But Peter actually goes further to say that even we have received our faith together, That is a gift from God. And he, as an apostle, doesn't kind of have a special kind of faith. He says, no, to those who have received a faith equal to ours, we all trust in Jesus. And as we do so, we receive all that is Christ's. May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of our Jesus, our Lord. And so, as we receive Christ, salvation in Him, Uh, and grace and peace. Uh, Peter's actually saying, let us multiply in in grace and peace, let us grow as we know Jesus more and more. We keep coming back to this, Christianity isn't a religion where you've got to keep self-improving until one day God says, you're good enough. God says, you're not good enough. All have fallen short of the glory of God, but by grace we are saved, and it's our privilege to know Jesus more and more. And this actually provides for us a basis to do life. We are not fretting about whether we are good enough, whether we fit or not. We have been richly welcomed into God's family by His grace. And in that, being a a member of God's family, look at what happens next. Verse 3, His divine power has given us everything required for life. So, God doesn't say, welcome to the family, it's going to be a bit crazy, all the best with it. He actually invests in us. He gifts us His Holy Spirit. His divine power is at work in us as He equips us and forms us. Brothers and sisters, we are resourced for this. There are challenges in life and there are challenges being in God's family. And yet we are gifted, we are resourced, we are loved to not just endure it, but to enjoy it and to grow through it. Uh, at the um, recent parenting seminar uh, run by uh, Steve Dinning, uh, he referred to some of uh, Jenny, Bowen's, uh, Jenny, Jenny Brown's work, uh, who actually is a family systems theory specialist. Uh, and within that, he talked about the circle of security and what it means to, uh, to need kind of a, a secure base. That is that you can imagine when a child is growing up, uh, that, that firstly, they're going to be very attached to, the, to their mum and dad or to their carer, uh, and that's a good thing. But, but as they grow up, they also want to venture out of that. And, and as they venture out from their secure base, and it could be just walking across the room, uh, it could be playing in the park without mum standing next to them, uh, it could be going to school without mum and dad, as they venture out from that secure base. All kinds of things might happen in the unknowns of that venturing but they know that should something happen, they can return back to the safety of that embrace, to the security of that relationship. And so, he refers to that as, it's well known, as the circle of security, venturing out and returning, knowing that you are loved and that you are secure. 
Again, just an observation of how we do life together and how much more true of that kind of story of, of a parent or a carer and a child that than with us and God, having been secured in the love of Christ. How much are we then able to, to venture out into the unknowns of this world in faith, knowing that should something happen and should kind of dramas unfold, that that does not uh, kind of... Uh, uh, that does not cause problems for us with, rela- with relation to being loved by God. We are always loved by God and we return to Him uh, and, and, uh, and are built up and are sent back out into this world. Now, Peter knows as he writes about these things, being equipped uh, for, for God's glory and goodness, he knows that there is uh, drama in this world uh, he writes about this, that, that uh, don't be naive about the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. This world is, has all kinds of drama in it because of sin, but he's actually just saying it's not out there, it's actually in us as well. Our own desires are disordered and corrupted. And so this drama is actually unfolding in our own lives as much as it is in the lives of others and in the world. But let us be reminded and build upon what it means to be secured in the love of Christ. Uh, Now, then Peter goes on to talk about what it means to build upon this foundation, as it were. Uh, Now, the goal is not to attain some perfect church where we all got it on, um, uh, we've all got it uh, wonderfully together, we're all comfortable and life is good. Uh, We don't experience that until we see Jesus face to face. But church is crucial and, and it's part of our formation in the journey getting there. And so, Peter will then go and talk about persevering. Now, has anyone here uh, done persevering easily? Has anyone persevered easily? That doesn't make sense, actually, does it? Like, to, to persevere is to actually kind of, uh, you know, be determined to kind of, to, to kind of overcome, uh, to, to kind of get through challenges. And uh, by definition, it is not easy. But this is... Um, Uh, This is the privilege, and it's actually part of our discipleship and our journey. It's about putting faith into action. And faith, when you think about it, it, it is trusting. You don't have it all in view. You're trusting. And so, as you step out in faith from the secure foundation of the love of Christ, there are all kinds of challenges. It could be the simply, simply stress or, or our own family, or, or a deep dis- dissatisfaction that we're carrying, or, or conflict with others, or even conflict within the church, job, and the list could go on, right? All the kinds of challenges that are before us and within us. But Peter doesn't say, just go smash those down and life will be good. You know, just, just get through that, it'll be all good. No, 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 he builds uh, persevering, enduring into our journey, into our growth. And so he says this, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance or perseverance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Uh, Some have called this kind of like the ladder of faith, or kind of like, you know, runs on the ladder as you you grow as Christians. helpful or not helpful in that it's not like you work on one of these and then you kind of get, you know, your level two scouts badge and move on to the next one. Uh, We're working on all these things together. This is part of our discipleship. And so, as we work on goodness, enjoying God's goodness and holding that out to others, as we work on, on knowing God more, we also get to know ourselves more. 
we get to know the world more and grow in our wisdom. As we work on our self-control, being, being disciplined, being aware that our own disordered desires will drag us into all kinds of addictions or, or kind of things that will lead us astray, we are being called to self-control. We are called to persevere through these things, to play the long game, to be determined, to be focused on Christ above all. We're being called to work on our godliness as we live for God through all of these things. But we're also called to work on our brotherly affection, our familial affection, and we've got to work on that. We're called to do all these things in love, so it's not a case of, you know, should, should you kind of hear of someone struggling through life, you'd be like, all the best with that, sounds like that's part of your journey, God will help you with that, you know? We're, no, we're to work on our brotherly affection, to, to, to persevere with each other, and even because of one another, that we might grow in these things together. Uh, now, to quote Jenny Brown again, I don't have the quote on the slide, actually, uh, this is, this is kind of what she talks about with relation to how we work on ourselves in the context of being in the family. Uh, and again, it extends to uh, being in the church family. She says, you're going to assist your child to grow their resilience. The first step you will, uh, will be to increase your own resilience in tolerating your child's upset uh, without feeling compelled to rush in and smooth over everything for them. The grown-up parent who really wants to be a loving resource to their child is prepared to work on themselves and not make a project out of their child. Oof. <laughs> she kills me when she writes that stuff, right? Uh, because uh, I know it all, I just want to fix my children. <laughs> but I don't know it all. Uh, and they're often teaching me as much as I am guiding them. How much more so again in the church? We have all kinds of uh, you know, people in this church, mature Christians, people who have been walking with Jesus for a long time, people who are very knowledgeable and wise, people who are working through things. It's so easy to, to kind of actually help other people work on their Christian faith and fix them in all kinds of ways. But Jenny's reminding us that the best way to help our child or to help someone else in the family is not to rush into fixing them, but to first of all, work on yourself and Peter here is saying that on faith, because of faith, make every effort to grow in Christ's likeness, to grow in your discipleship journey, to put on goodness and knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, brotherly infection and love. This is a joy and it is a struggle. Let me go a little bit deeper here and how we share this struggle together. There, there is a real privilege uh, in doing the Christian life together. Uh, I think the standout uh, example in my own life is being on a beach mission. Uh, it's kind of like the red cordial of church ministry. Uh, for, for two weeks, you go um, uh, to a, we went to a caravan park uh, down, we were down at Shoalhaven Heads actually, and so there is everyone in the caravan park having a good holiday, and there is a bunch of Christians who have set up kind of, you know, uh, like a, a big tent, a big marquee, and we run all kinds of programs uh, for, for kids and people of all ages to come and hear about Jesus. And so there's these holiday makers seeking to kind of enjoy their holiday, and there's these Christians who want to actually hold out the good news of Jesus in the midst of their holiday. Uh, and, and it works surprisingly well. We connect with all kinds of people who wouldn't ordinarily come through the doors of a church. Uh, and yet it takes an extraordinary amount of effort 
to put up these marquees, to live in tents, uh, to live alongside other brothers and sisters that you don't know that well, uh, and, and to kind of work, you know, long days uh, for the sake of holding out the gospel. And yet, as I look back on those years, uh, I, I'm just stoked at how God worked in me and through me, and the friendships uh, that were developed through that. But as we look at such moments, you know, often what would happen is you'd come back from beach mission to sort of everyday church, and it would be frustrating and sort of slow and boring, and you're reminded of kind of like all the relationships that, you know, and all the tensions and dynamics in the church. It was kind of actually refreshing and freeing to leave and sort of do this kind of intense ministry together. We are in the church family here, just like in my car driving to Adelaide, there is an intimacy and frequency that means we're in each other's faces. We know each other, warts and all. There is great power to encourage one another, and yet there is also great struggle at times as we do family life together. And sometimes it's, very, it's because we expect better. It's because we have this, this, um, this, what we have in our mind of what church should be like, that our experience often uh, is substantial and causes great disappointment. Uh, now again, this, this sermon doesn't come from kind of uh, feeling particularly disappointed or, or feeling kind of uh, embittered or, or within any kind of conflict. But rather, as I unpack now Galatians 6 and how we're to do this struggle together, I hope it's a blessing to you. Because what I find in Galatians 6 is a way to kind of carry each other's burdens, to, to kind of struggle together, as it were, while also making sure that we actually work on ourselves as well, that same kind of dynamic that Jenny Brown was talking about. And so, as I turn to Galatians 6 and uh, sort of unpack what it means to walk in love together, let us see what the Apostle Paul has to say to the Galatians. And so, he says in verse 2, carry one another's burdens... In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what does he mean by burdens there? Uh, it could mean any number of things. Uh, anything that burdens you or others. So, that could be my sin. My sin will create a, a negative dynamic in relationships. Uh, it could be my personality traits. It could be that I have needs, financial needs, that, that are very pressing. And actually, I'm asking you and inviting you to kind of share that with me. Uh, it, the list could go on. All kinds of things in, in our personal lives have impact on others, and we are being invited to carry one another's burdens. How are we to do that? Well, first of all, he says, by doing this, you fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? The law of Christ is to uh, live like Jesus, to be obedient to Him, to obey His command, and His command is to love. And so, as we love one another... On this journey together, we are called to carry one another's burdens. And so, in that is persevering, putting up with each other, uh, sharing the load together. And then he says, for if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. <laughs> and so, here we begin, kind of like, as I kind of help you, as, as, I, as I carry a burden with you, I don't do so as kind of thinking, I've got it all together and I'm going to fix you. This starts to get close to the bone a little bit here for me, right? Uh, as an over-functioner, we'll kind of talk about that in a moment. Uh, but uh, Paul here is saying to the Galatians, as you care for each other, you must do that out of humility because you are, you're a saved sinner. You're saved by grace. You don't know it all and you don't know what's happening for that person in their life. 
And so we must kind of carry each other's burdens out of a posture of humility. And he goes even further, let each person examine his own work and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. Uh, And so if you've ever been caught in that dynamic of, you know, looking at kind of to your left and your right and finding what other good Christians are doing and feeling like you must kind of compete with them, don't do that. (laughs) Whatever you do in, in struggling together, in carrying each other's burdens together, it comes from your own secure relationship with Christ It comes from your own ability and counting the cost, and it comes out of a love for a brother or sister in Christ. But then Paul says this, for each person will have to carry his own load. (laughs) So so he's saying here, we we are to share the load together, carry each other's burdens, but also carry our own burdens. And I think actually in the dynamic of these two things, that is that we are to share together, but also each person is responsible for their own walk. I find actually there's a real moment here to kind of grow in in maturity as we do this thing called family together. Uh, And to do this, I'm going to actually draw a little bit more upon um, some of the family systems theory work to help us unpack this uh, under the language of over-functioning and under-functioning. As I've already sort of confessed, I'm a recovering, or maybe not so recovering, un- over-functioner. Uh, and uh, and, that, and that, that actually places a different kind of dynamic in relationship. It affects us, and it gets something wrong about what our goal is. But let me unpack this a little bit more. Um, so, an over-functioner uh, is someone who, uh, let me go to my notes here, uh, is someone who loves to help. And, and often it's out of good intentions, right? Loves to help. Uh, maybe a little bit too keenly so. Uh, who loves to give advice, who worries about others, who talks more than listens. I may have tendencies in these spaces. I'm working on it. I'm a, I'm a project of, of God's alone as He works in me. An underfunctioner is kind of the opposite, who seeks advice a lot, uh, gets help often from others, feels unsure. But don't worry if you're feeling like you have these tendencies because there's an overfunctioner just waiting to help you. <laughs> Now, as we think about kind of, you know, our own kind of place on this spectrum, uh, and it's not about labelling you or your identity, we actually fluctuate on this spectrum for all kinds of different reasons and seasons. It's interesting to think about, did Jesus, for example, over-function when He fed 5,000 people? Uh, Jesus, I think, you know, they could have got their own food, why'd you do that for them? He didn't over-function, rather, I think what's important in understanding what's happening when you're over-functioning is that you're actually avoiding being responsible for your own life and you're making a project of others. That's been kind of a revelation to me over the years. Whereas what Jesus is doing is secured in His own love of the Father, not needing their approval in His serving of them, He is able to bless them immensely. Now, the drama of the under and over functioner is that there is a nice little payoff for that, for that dynamic. And so, for the person who's looking for approval and who wants to help desperately, uh, we'll find someone who needs that help. A- and uh, that, that person who wants help finds it, and this person who loves to seek approval because they're helping, you know, they're a lovely match. But they get something wrong here, both of them. We all do. As a recovering overfunctioner, I came to realise that my care actually wasn't that caring. It frequently disempowered and centred on fixing immediate things, and lost focus on what the actual goal was. 
The under and the over functioner often loses sight of what the goal is. It's not fixing the immediate, it's our own journey in Christ. It's our Christian growth. And there is a power and a privilege of persevering together and not rushing in with all anxiety into the particular moment that the need is in. Now, don't get me wrong, there are real needs that have real immediate kind of, you know, needs to to sort of be attended to. But I'm talking about kind of patterns of relationship that forms over a long period of time. Now, some questions here that relate to under and over functioning to help us not only discern our hearts, but to think about a way forward. Um, so, here's some questions if you, are, if you are thinking that you tend towards under-functioning. Are you constantly asking for need, for help? Uh, now, you may have significant needs, and one of the issues in this mix is that people withdraw out of embarrassment. And so, I'm not calling you to, to kind of actually no longer ask for help. I actually one of the, think that one of the ways we do fellowship beautifully together is when someone does ask for help, and someone, out of all humility, and someone is able to care richly. Okay, let's not withdraw from asking because Mike says I shouldn't be an underfunctioner, but but rather maybe ask this question of yourself: Are you encouraging someone else in their walk with Jesus? So don't let underfunctioning mean that you are constantly depending on others, but rather seek to actually encourage someone else. Questions that relate to overfunctioning: uh, Are you able to say, "I'm not able to help you with that at the moment"? <laughs> Our constant defaulting to, yes, I can help you, is actually a problem. I'm speaking to myself here, right? Are you able to uh, not just withdraw entirely in saying no, but can you say, can I still walk with you and encourage you to keep trusting Jesus? Now, in, in both of these kind of remedies or kind of wrestling with these dynamics, there, there is this kind of thing of withdrawing healthily, uh, that is not to dive all in, for not the overfunctioner to dive in to fix, uh, and, and for not the underfunctioner to, to kind of uh, withdraw out of embarrassment, but rather to withdraw helpfully and healthfully, to actually to create a healthy distance, because you are a person, and you are loved by Christ, and you have your own boundaries. And to be able to say, the goal is for each of us to take responsibility for our lives and to grow in Christ's likeness and we're to walk together in this. Do you see the difference? One version is that we kind of become interlocked together, dependent on each other in unhealthy ways. But rather, as individuals, in relationship, in family, we are to encourage one another to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, to persevere and to care now, we haven't even got to talking about triangles, I'm not going to try and do that today, uh, just as a kind of another aspect of uh, family life, of unhealthy way of relating, particularly from family systems theory, it, triangulating is where you resolve a tension that you have with one other person by going to a third person and, and say to that person, would you believe what I'm having to put up with over here? It happens all the time. But again, it, we, as we start to think about these, we're like, oh my goodness, these are really complicated dynamics. And... and, and how are we going to, are we just going to have to muscle through this? Am I going to have to be like a, a trained psychiatrist to kind of actually make sense of life together? No. But before I resolve it, uh, I wanted to actually make it more complicated again. <laughs> uh, because it's not just disordered desires within us. 
It's not just kind of complex relationships in any one group of people, this church being an example, but rather we are experiencing, I think, in this time, a seismic shift in the way that we do society and politics and governance. Uh, Mark Sayers, who's a pastor down in Melbourne and a cultural commentator, says that right now we are living in a grey zone. The world is shifting its dynamics substantially between the way it operated 50 years ago and into what it will look like in a decade to come. But right now we are in a transition that is full of anxiety and stress and it's, and, it's, and it's forming us in really unhealthy ways. And so, I will put this quote up, this is from his book, recent book, called A Non-Anxious Presence. And he's not talking here about kind of individual members per se, kind of within just a family, he's talking about political leaders and institution leaders and the way that we are formed in society. And he says this, the system's focus is directed towards the most emotionally immature and reactive members. Now, you think about here how we do kind of, uh, how we do politics and, and kind of what, what kind of the social commentary looks like in your Facebook feed and how it's reactive to what's happening in the world. Our, our whole system is kind of geared towards that now. Uh, those who are more mature and healthy begin to adopt their behaviour to appease the most irrational and unhealthy. This creates a scenario where the most emotionally unhealthy, immature members of the system become de facto leaders shaping the emotional landscape with the focus of their negative behaviour of others. The anxiety presents, uh, pre pre the present envelops the vision of the organisation. So, what he's saying here, as long as we try and resolve the stress in the system by dealing with kind of whatever kind of ranting or kind of whatever immature behaviours are within the whole societal dynamic, as long as we're trying to appease that, we are defined by it, we're stepping into the mess. It's like I'm kind of driving, to go back to my analogy in the car, it's like if there's some drama in the back, instead of being the mature kind of person bringing us into a new sort of state of healthiness, I just dive headlong into the drama and just become like one of my children. <laughs> this is happening across our society and it's a real challenge. And the first thing we need to do is be aware of it, but not kind of tool up with some just kind of smart ways to kind of manipulate the system, but we need a whole different way of engaging. Now, Mark says here draws upon some other work and this kind of phrase of being a non-anxious presence, which means being able to be in the family, but not totally defined by it. To be able to live kind of a, a non-anxious life and to be, to be a healthy presence in a family, in order to be a blessing to those around you, not defined by just the way everyone else is operating. He goes on to say, many believers today hunger for personal renewal. We long for a deeper walk with God. We desire a more transformative faith. There is a deep sense that millions have fallen into the contemporary pattern of life, one of continual consumption, ever-present anxiety and self-focus, an unstable pattern, unsustainable pattern. Many are realising that what they long for can only be satisfied by the eternal God. Be assured that seeds are being laid for a great renewal of our personal faith. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters, because as we look to Jesus, do we not find this new pattern, this new way of caring richly, but not getting involved all the way down in its anxieties? Not just simply fixing people, but deeply loving them. What I see in Jesus, in His non-anxious presence, 
is the way He is able to care richly, to love richly, but He doesn't care about what people think of Him. He doesn't care for others because He wants their approval, but He loves them all the same. He ministers to crowds that come to Him with all kinds of needs, with a wisdom that comes from His own security in the love of the Father. He is able to, in His maturity, withdraw from the madness to pray and recenter. He is very aware of the evil around Him, but He is not fearful. Brothers and sisters, this is the head of our family. This is the one in whom we've been adopted into God's family. He sets a new pattern for the way that we grow and the way that we live together. And as He calls us to persevere, as He calls us to the long game of discipleship, there He is walking alongside His disciples, taking the long route with them, not seeking just to fix them, but to guide them and shape them. Because all of life's dramas become woven into His sovereign plan for them and for us, until He goes to the cross, pays for our sin and is victorious because Jesus has overcome all of this world, all that sin can throw at God, and He will lead us home. We are journeying together, we are a gift to each other, and I see a people formed in the love of this Jesus, who are able to care richly for each other, secured in the love of God, knowing that they bring drama to the table and step into drama, but do so maturely, self-aware, in all humility, with the goal of pointing each person to Christ as they follow Him. Let me pray. Father, uh, we bring ourselves to You. In all the ups and downs and all the dramas, You are fully aware of the nature of our heart and you love us so, and you have invested your Spirit in us to grow us and form us and shape us, and you gift to us each other as we walk together. Father, forgive us of the times we have been too quick to fix others or to depend on others, but Father, as we keep looking to Jesus, would you grow us and help us to care richly out of the overflow of how you've cared for us. And we pray this in the power and the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.